Welcome to your Breakthrough Blueprint. I'm your host, Becky Oste, a wife, mom, and trauma-informed marriage coach. After a decade of trying all the mainstream modalities of healing to save my marriage, I found myself two kids later separated and on the verge of divorce. That's when I stumbled upon the unconventional game changer of somatic work that not only resurrected my dying marriage, but bled into breakthroughs in my parenting, purpose, spirituality, health, wealth, business, and more in just six months. My intention with this podcast is simple. Through every weekly episode, my goal for you is that one, you realize how insanely collective our struggles are, that you're not even close to alone. Two, that you can laugh a little because God knows we need it. And three, that you walk away with actionable advice on how to design your unique blueprint for your breakthrough life. So get your earbuds in, grab your coffee so you can sit back, relax, and enjoy today's episode. Hello, friends. Holy cow. Today's episode is really hard to funnel down into like a 30-minute conversation with you today because I feel like I just lived 30 lifetimes in the past seven days. But I'm going to do my best to condense the lessons that I've learned and just share a little bit about what I've been going through. And so Before we dive in, I just got back last night. Sebastian and I stayed overnight at our first ever treehouse Airbnb. I don't know if you guys have ever done that, but it was so cool. It was literally in the middle of the woods, total solitude, and we were up in a tree. I felt like a little bird just getting to sleep over in this little natural fort and really, really, really cool experience. So it's a nice little getaway, kid-free Thank you, mother-in-law, for staying with the kids, and I feel refreshed. Before that, I had taken the whole week off, and I'll share that in a second why, but I am. this is like my first thing, diving back into the natural swing of things for this week after a week of hermiting, some much-needed mental health hermiting. So today's talk is, you know, I titled it, Life's Not Supposed to Be This Way. Have you ever thought that or said that? You know, humans crave what's comfortable. No one would ever argue with that. Our nervous systems crave what's familiar. And, you know, some more than others, depending on a particular nervous system's window of tolerance and flexibility. But there is a superpower in all of us that when things do not go our way, when life is not going how we think it should, there is a superpower we can unlock that is this total, true, unshakable, powerful, anchored inner peace, no matter what the F is happening in your world. It's a superpower available to all of us. For some, it's lying dormant, and for others, it's been uncovered. But whichever camp you're in, I hope today's episode can either serve as a blueprint to find yours or a reminder that, girl, you're killing it in spite of your circumstances. You know, I was texting one of my good friends slash clients just before hopping on here to record, and she's currently going through a divorce, and they had a mediation this week, and the one glad the gratitude she was intentionally you know aiming to glean from this situation that this is not how she expected her life to go after 20 years of marriage uh she said she was grateful that at least financially her 
husband, soon to be ex-husband, did say that he will be taking care of her financially. He's not going to try to pull any shady stuff or, you know, he's being like full of integrity with that. Then just today, she just found out that he might lose his job. And this is what she texted me. She said, Becky, I honestly didn't freak out. Got a bit stressed at first, but I feel like I'll do what I can. And I didn't cry, didn't feel shame or any constriction, no shallow breathing, no heart racing, nothing. Who is this woman? Well, she's a new woman. That's who. She's she's somebody who I've watched uncover the superpower of her own intuition, her own power, her own nervous system. After a lot of life situations from a very young age that have not gone the way she ever would have designed. So what for you are your most distinct moments that stand out to you where you found yourself saying life is not supposed to be this way? Whether it's life, relationships, family, health, money, spirituality, I don't think any of us escape these moments. I remember growing up as like a really happy-go-lucky kid. Uh, I remember seeing those shirts. Do you know what I'm talking about? The brand Life is Good. It's like a little stick figure with crazy hair and it says Life is Good. They have hats, shirts, all the things. And I remember as a little kid, I would see those and be like, yeah, life is good. That's so true. Like I just, that was kind of my set point, like high on life since a little girl. My husband was the opposite. He remembers being like melancholy. That was more his set point as far back as he can remember. But I remember my first big moment of feeling like life's not supposed to be this way was when my dad died unexpectedly. He had a heart attack when I was 18, got the news that he passed away at the young age of 57, was way too soon. And it, it jolted my whole world. I remember going from the ministry life. My husband and I served full-time ministry. We led a campus ministry together for four years. And we were kind of seen as this like epitome of a strong couple and strong people and leaders. And then when we had our son and moved back to Virginia to be closer to family, our marriage started spiraling and our toxic dance of codependency and addiction started picking up speed. Like we were just all of a sudden, it felt like we were unraveling. And I was like, this is not supposed to be this way. Like we were the ministry couple. We were the people that uh, others looked to and saw as an example. And like, this is not supposed to be happening. And it felt like life was spiraling outside of my grasp. I remember Another moment when um, years later, when we were even worse, as if I thought it couldn't get worse, when my husband and I were like on the rocks and not doing well at all. And then I found out I was pregnant and I just I feel like bad saying this sometimes because I know how many women pray and try and hope for years to get pregnant. And I felt a lot of shame and guilt for my first thought in that moment being like, oh no, no, like this can't be happening. This should not be happening right now because I didn't want to bring another life into this world when I felt like my husband and I weren't even a sure thing. And then a couple months into that pregnancy, I miscarried and it was all over again. Like, this isn't supposed to happen either. Like nothing was happening the way that I would have ever desired or designed. And then the most latest thing for me is just my mom's mental and physical health declining. It's this total role reversal and it feels like completely against the grain of what's natural. Like she's always been the mom and now I'm 
feeling like this, I'm her mother, like taking her to doctor's appointments and, you know, like just different things that have always been her role. Like she's not in a space where she's able to hear about my life and really empathize. Like I'm the one holding space for her. It's become kind of flipped one-sided instead of this rich relationship that my mom and I have had for so many years it's feeling turned on its head. And there's been so many moments of like, this is not supposed to be happening. So for a long time in my life where I felt like things were going out of control or against how I wanted out of this need for predictability and order and control, you know, I'd say my controller was on overdrive and it came out a lot in OCD cleaning. I felt like the more my world was spiraling, the cleaner my house was. And my friends knew me really well. If they came over and saw it like immaculate, tidy, I'd be like, Becky, how are things going? And you know, it was just an indicator. Um, for me, it was how I coped. It was how I sent, saw a sense of control and order when everything was spiraling out of control. And now I am grateful as heck that I've learned life-changing tools that have taught me how to feel safe again in my own body, no matter what's happening in the world around me. But I still get triggered and I still get thrown and I still find myself with this question. And I had a moment like this last week where I found myself in this life whiplashed. I received some devastating news that left me frozen like a deer in headlights, head spinning, body detaching. It was a total trauma response. And everybody's body responds differently to trauma or to bad news. But for me, I've learned over the years, it's pretty consistent. It's almost always the same where I feel like my head is detaching from my body uh, it feels like the room is closing in on me. My extremities, like my fingers, toes, nose get really cold. I start trembling. My throat closes up and I have this like frozen movement, you know, the fight, flight, freeze, fawn. For me, it's almost always freeze in the beginning. And so for two days, I, this was last Sunday. So for two days, I laid in my bed, just staring out the window uh, I just felt like totally unmotivated, depressed, like couldn't speak, didn't want to even look at my phone or watch a movie. Like I was just completely numb. And it's been, gosh, at least two years since I have felt that way. And it made me think about like just what was coming up in this experience in my body was all the stuff I've learned even about, you know, the nervous system and animals in the wild and how it's a very natural survival spot response for animals to go limp after threat or danger or, you know, trauma has been experienced that it's actually smart. It's actually the body's wisdom in like protecting the animal. So for example, um, let's say like a a prey was attacked and, you know, there was this threat of a bear about to kill it. Like it's pretty often and common that you see in the wild, they'll literally go limp and they're frozen. And that can um, sometimes make predators think that they're already dead. So they go the other way, giving that 
little prey time to uh, activate and run for its life. Uh, or also if an animal is caught, like if a prey is caught by a predator and is about to be killed, uh, something happens in the body where it does like senses disconnect, head detaches from body. And there is this um, limpening, limpening, that's not a word, but the body goes limp and um, the nerves respond in a way where the pain is deadened and dulled. So it is less painful for that animal than if the muscles were tightened and if all of the nerves were connected and working properly in senses, you know, activated like normal. So I felt like that and it allowed me to not rush myself out of that. It allowed me to not shame myself for that. Like I literally just in full radical self-acceptance, um, just had compassion as I let myself lay and do nothing and that for the old hyper achiever in me was really monumental um, to even allow myself just two days of like, I'm just going to allow myself to sit in this and not try to rush it. Like it's, oh, it's natural for my body to do this. So I ended up taking the whole week off. I talked with my team. They were so amazing. Just reassuring me like, Becky, we've got this. That's why you hired us. Like go take a week for mental health and we're going to, you know, run this show with excellence. Don't worry about it at all. The clients that I did have appointments with, I asked if we could reschedule. And that was so hard for me to do. It was like, that old hyperachiever in me um, was just afraid of them thinking that I was bailing on them or being lazy. And even though that was the last thing from my intention at all, and anyone who knows my character knows that's not me whatsoever, but it was still felt like this leap of faith. And every single person that I canceled on and rescheduled with was so unbelievably gracious, understanding, encouraging me, like, go take your time. Your mental health is the most important thing. Don't worry about it at all. We're fine. Every single response like that was just healing bomb for me over here. And so I took the week off. I booked a flight to go be with my mom, who's not doing well. And um, I did it so I could accompany her to go see her liver doctor and just stay with her for the week. I didn't want to leave my family. I didn't want to leave my home this summer has honestly been a lot of travel and a lot of movement. So between that and then starting my period and then experiencing that total freeze trauma response on Sunday through, you know, Tuesday, it took every fiber of my being to peel myself off that bed and just get on the plane. And guys, I felt like a literal zombie going through the airport. I was doing my somatic practices that I know, trying not to force feeling myself, but just sitting with what is. And I was listening to this audio book and it gave me the words that I didn't have for myself. Um, but what I was listening to, they had this phrase that they called a trauma response as wordless despair. And it just resonated. I said, that's exactly what I'm feeling. Like, for somebody who I feel like words is my gift and I never have a problem articulating myself, this, what I'm experiencing right now is wordless despair. And then also just referring to like the walking dead or zombie leg, like that's literally how I felt going through the airport. I felt like I was having this out of body experience, just very robotic, disconnected from the world around me, even though I was surrounded by, you know, hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people in that busy airport. 
So I, I was surrendering um, the best I could. And the plan was I had a connecting flight to New Jersey. And then from New Jersey, I was going to fly into Providence, which is the closest airport to my mom's house. But I was supposed to have a 45 minute connection and we were 15 minutes late getting into the air because of weather. And then we circled for 15 minutes extra before landing um, because of weather. And so my 45 minute connection turned into a 15 minute connection and I was towards the back of the plane and me and this one other girl were like, excuse me, excuse me. Can we squeeze through once the plane landed? She was like, we we both were saying we have 10 minutes to catch this flight excuse me. And we got like maybe five seats ahead until this one woman just turned around and snapped at me. She's like, we all are in the same boat. Get back. She like snapped at me. And I was like, you have 10 minutes to catch your flight too. And she was like, mm-hmm. and she was lying through her teeth. Like I was not a fighter. I was ready to fight this one. I was like, I everything in your body. I know how to read body language. I know how to read energy. Woman, you're lying through your teeth. You're not in a rush. And so I ended up missing my first flight ever um, after running, like sprinting, probably a half a mile through the airport where it was like, it wasn't even when I got off that flight, it was just like, I had to get to the next gate. It was like, I had to take the bus and then run 20 gates to find my gate. And when I get there, the plane had already taken off. Um, I go to customer service and I tell them what happened. And she said she couldn't get me out until 2 p.m. the next day. And so me, let me back up. So since Sunday, I had that, you know, devastating news. And then this is Tuesday night and I hadn't cried that whole time. Like it was just numb. It was just zombie. This is the time where I decide to let it all out. And it was just the straw that broke the camel's back. I'm in the middle of the airport. I step away from the customer service booth. I'm like, give me a minute. And I just start bawling. And I'm like, ah, and I come back and I'm like, that's just not going to work for me. And she was like, let me try something. I saw her little typing on her computer. She printed out a boarding pass. I didn't even look at it. She said, you're getting out of here um, 10 a.m. tomorrow morning, and we're going to put you up in this hotel tonight. So didn't look at the boarding pass. She gave me a water bottle. My reaction was like, really a water bottle? Thanks. Now this is like one extra thing I have to hold. Like what the hell am I supposed to do with this? Um, I saw she gave me a $20 voucher My in my head. I'm like, nice. How generous $20. Like I was just so bitter and mad and like hating life right now. And then I was like, I got to find this freaking air train that she said I have to take to get a shuttle to this, you know, hotel. This is an airport I've never been in before. And, you know, finding this shuttle was a new experience for me. Sleeping in a hotel room alone was a completely new experience for me. All of this stuff, I was like, my nervous system cannot handle this. My nervous system just wants familiarity. It wants comfort. None of this is familiar. This is all stretching out of my comfort zone. Ah! So I'm just standing there at the front desk of the hotel, finally get there. Yay. Found my way. And I'm just thinking in my head, like this freaking sucks. Like I'm far from home. My nervous system is shot. I'm exhausted, sweaty, no change of clothes, have this extra water bottle. What am I supposed to do with this? Should have thrown it away. I'm by myself. My luggage is in Providence. I can't see my mom. Her health is declining. The list is just going on and on. And all I wanted to do in that moment was nurse my victimhood (laughs) like 
gather my assembly of pity people to validate how awful this all was and validate the disaster of my life right now. And that's when I made a conscious decision to text a particular friend who I knew would not help me dig my trench deeper, but she would call me out of it. So I texted my friend, Kelly Brock. She's an old mentor of mine, now friend, and she knew what was going on um, all week. She was one of the people that knew, you know, all the details of what I was experiencing. And I said, hey, taking it slow and resisting every impulse in me to victimize the hell out of myself right now. Her response to that text was uh, just the truth that I needed that changed the entire experience for me. She said this, she said, circumstances will make you want to believe that, Becky. This did happen to you, and you're still at power and choice here. Grieve, rage, mourn, be sad, be bitter, process, let it move through you. You're allowed to not be okay and move through that real part of this. Do not bypass. And it was like a veil that lifted when I read those words. It was like at that moment, waiting for the receptionist to hand me my room key, I just made this deliberate conscious decision to get out of the dumps and choose to adopt a different view. And as much inertia as I felt like it took for me to make that switch, I decided to see that this was all happening for me rather than against me. And this is where I took my power back. I began to assert in my mind and in my heart and in my body that God was doing this for my best, highest favor rather than pointing a magnifying glass at me and laughing. And that's when I looked down at my vouchers, literally then, and I realized, oh, wait, this actually $70 they gave me, not 20. And then I looked at my water bottle and I go, oh my God, there's actually deodorant, a toothbrush, a whole bunch of like self-hygiene stuff in here. Oh my gosh, I'm so grateful. I thought it was just a water bottle. Sorry. And then I had this thought of like, actually, this is like a really beautiful gift that I have space to myself to process and grieve everything that's going on right now in my life. And if I need to cry and scream all by myself, like I wouldn't have had that in my mom's house. My mom would be like, what the heck's happening? And then I went to go spend $70 in my vouchers. And I was like, I'm going to get really nice wine and all the snacks that I want. And the receptionist was this young Colombian boy And I went shopping with those vouchers, but he was so kind to me and he was speaking broken English. So I decided to start speaking to him in Spanish and his face just lit up and I was telling him my husband's Colombian. He's like, oh, you got to go. Colombia is amazing. And we had this really great conversation. It was the first time I had smiled since Sunday. And it was just like this power of human kindness. Like it just helped. It was very healing for me. And I went upstairs. I hopped in my bed. It was so unbelievably comfy and cozy and peaceful. And I actually went to sleep that night with like so much peace in my heart. The next morning, I got to the airport with plenty of time to board, no rush. And when they started calling all of the groups, you know, the zones, I'm usually like zone three or four, right? And so I go to look down on this boarding pass that remember she printed it out and I'd never even looked at it. I just grabbed it and was like, thanks, bye. And I look at it and it said boarding group one, first class. (laughs) And guys, I'm laughing because 
I have never flown first class in my life until that moment. And the day before when I was boarding my class, you know what I said in my head? I was passing by the first class people and I said, one day that's going to be me. It's just a matter of time. I don't know when, but first class is coming for me. And here I am looking at my ticket and I just start crying. And I was like, like, oh my God, maybe God really hasn't forgotten me. Maybe all this was for a reason just to, you know, help give me what I actually deserve and want in life, even if it was through a way that I had not designed or planned. And it was this small but huge moment of like, oh my God, this really is all happening for me. What in the world? So I get on the plane and I'm like shaking and crying at this point. I'm like texting my best friend and um, my good friend, Julie and Kelly. And I was like, guys, you won't believe it. Like I'm sitting first class. I can't believe it. I can't believe it. I get there, I sit down. There's so much leg room. The stewardess goes straight to me, offer me water, any drink that I want. And I sit next to this man. His name was Scott. And he told me stories the entire flight. He was like a sail. No, he was like a sea captain um, who like, yeah, worked on boats for 10 years of his life. And he had all of these stories. But it started with me just asking, like, what crazy stories have you experienced? And the one he chose to tell was this one of a storm where despite all effort, you know, they were trying to move forward. And because of the waves, it pushed them like a mile and a half back. And it felt so like prophetic and um, like a metaphor to my life right now, because I feel like there's been so much progress made in this week, like really just felt like a, a gut punch, you know, a setback. And we were laughing. He was just like one of those quirky, like nerdy character types. Um, we ended up getting off the plane together, went the wrong way, trying to find our baggage and then found our bags. And that was another thing I was worried about. Like, I thought it was going to be super hard to find my bag because it was there at the airport overnight. And it was like right when I walked to the baggage claim, it was just like the first one I saw just sitting there like, hello, Becky, been waiting for you. Here I am. I'm your bag. And I'm like, thank you. It's like something going right. I don't take it for granted. And then I go to pick up my rental car and I didn't know what I was getting. And the guy hands me the keys. He's like, okay, today we have a Chevy Malibu for you. And guys, that's the free career car that I used to drive in my previous network marketing career. The car that I earned, the car that has great memories that I, you know, that was my baby for a year. I loved that thing. I ended up turning it in and I've missed it. I've missed that thing. And so when he said Chevy Malibu, I was like, oh, really? oh my gosh, like, this is something that's familiar. Like I know how to drive this car for all the unfamiliar things my nervous system has gone through. Like this feels like a kiss from God. And what a gift. Like I get my Chevy Malibu back. Ah. And then I get to my mom's house. Finally. Ah, miracle, right? Made it there. And she has a gift for me that she had been holding on for about a month now. And it was this rose quartz crystal heart. And I didn't know like the meaning of it. Like I know people are, some people are into crystals and all of that. I don't own any crystals, but I did just get Reiki certified. That's another topic for another time, but I am learning how to, you know, work with and heal energy. And so 
I know people in that world are like all into crystals. So I look up the meaning and it says it helps with self-love and healing emotional wounds. It's often given as a gift to someone special because it's known as the stone of unconditional love and infinite peace. And I'm like, ah, of all times for me to receive this gift, like this is the week for it to be really mean something. And so I was able to spend the week with my mom. I was able to, you know, go with her to her liver doctor, hear news that neither of us wanted to hear. But um, there was a lot of positives that was able to take place while I was there. We were able to set up a caregiver for her to come in home uh, three days a week. I set up a care team, which I just like messaged random friends and family who live near her asking if they'd want to hang out with her one time a month. And the response was just so positive. Like, yeah, we'd love to just go get time with your mom. Cause she's just not able to drive anymore. She's really depressed. She's been lonely. So we were able to set that up. I was able to find a somatic therapist cause my mom's nervous system like is just shot and she doesn't know the things that, you know, I know. And I tried to teach her and share as much as I can, but uh, I wanted her to get a therapist of her own. So I was able to find that. We were able to get our nails done too, like have fun time. We ate Thai food together. We watched TV together, snuggled in her bed. And we, you know, also she let me practice my Reiki on her, the new Reiki um, practice that I'm developing. She, for the first time, you know, since I got to her house, was able to relax her body. And she, she's she been trembling and shaking, like literally nonstop. Like she's that nervous and anxious all the time. And when I was doing this, like her body stopped shaking and she said, Becky, wow, this really works. Like this feels really good. Her breathing slowed down. She was able to smile and just lie there. And so that was a gift just to get to share all of that with her and see the good that came out of that week. But one of my last nights there, I was just like laying in the dark um, and in my room and meditating and praying. And I put that rose quartz um, heart on my chest and I was praying for, you know, clarity and direction. And I just got this sense like, that there is somebody that I was meant to connect to, someone older, a male figure. Like, I don't always get clear messages like that, but this is what was coming up for me. And in my mind, I'm like, what the heck? Like, who the heck am I supposed to connect with? An older male figure? Like, I'm literally searching all over North America, thinking like, who could this be? Who am I meant to go visit? And then all of a sudden it was like my dad. And I realized like, oh, it's my dad. Like God is speaking to me right now. And I feel like I'm meant to connect with my dad or he has a message for me. And I just felt his presence all of a sudden. This might seem so weird to some of you. That's fine. I like, I feel like a year ago, I would have thought all of this was crazy as well, but I had chills upon chills upon chills just flushing through my body and it was immediate tears that like my dad's spirit just wanted to show up to come for me and remind me that I'm uniquely and wonderfully made. And these are the words that I heard. I heard factories make the same products, but I'm a unique and but I'm unique and special. And there's no one else like me on this planet. I have my own unique DNA, gifts, etc. And those are the last words he literally said to me before he passed. We were talking on AIM Instant Messenger. Um, and I had that conversation saved for years. And that was literally the last thing he said before we said, love you, good night. 
So I heard those words. And then I heard that I'm unstoppable. That was one word, unstoppable. Hold that, pocket that. And then I heard, Becky, you're a force to be reckoned with. And then the third thing was, you are anything but powerless. And when I heard that, I just started like crying, like letting it all out, letting it move through my body. And then I asked God, you know, kind of slash my dad, like what's available for me to understand, know, or do right now? And it was this very clear message. Go check the Bible app verse of the day on your phone. And guys, I haven't checked that thing in I don't know how long. It's an app that has stayed on my phone. But if, you know, I'm reading the Bible, it's usually my physical one. And I haven't checked that app in forever. Sure enough, I open it up. The verse of the day was, blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. And this has been like the theme of the week. There's just been a lot of mourning growing on. There's been a lot of grieving. And when I read this, I was like, shut the front door. It settled me to the core of my spirit. It felt like God was telling me there's nothing you got to do right now other than receive comfort. And then I open Facebook and the first thing that opens up is my friend dancing to a video of that song, Unstoppable. That was the word. Remember I told you to pocket? She's literally dancing to that song. I'm unstoppable. I'm on a na 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 na. I can't sing. But I was like, what in the world is happening right now? And then all of a sudden I get all of these messages and DMs from all of these people like coming through one after another, um, just saying that they're praying for me and my mom and like all of this mess, all of these messages of comfort. And I was like, oh my God, this is unreal. Like so much reassurance that one taking a week off was exactly what the doctor ordered and what I should have done. And that, you know, this is, this is okay to receive right now. Like you don't have to do anything, like just continue to sit with what is, dance with what is and receive comfort because it is pouring down for you. And so all that to say, this whole story from the time before Kelly's text to everything that happened after, nothing about my actual life situation changed. Like the initial bad news I received was still a reality. My mom's health was still declining. The only thing that changed was me, my intention, you know, my reception to see miracles, even when everything on paper was leading me to say life is not supposed to be this way. And then it just felt like the miracles were flooding in and I couldn't keep up with them. I was literally writing them down because like, I don't want to forget any of this. Like, that's all I could see was miracle after miracle after miracle. And the comfort that was cultivated from within, it was this like unshakable um, conviction that I was supernaturally supported. And it gave me a comfort I can't even describe to you guys. It's like that peace that passes understanding verse. So I flew home in a completely different energy. Like I was staring out the window of the plane and I just couldn't believe how much peace I felt, how anchored and grounded and connected to myself and the people around me and the world around me again. Like I felt like I thawed out. I went from that wordless despair, that zombie-like walking dead The last time I was at the airport to this time on my way out, it was this overwhelming gratitude of like, 
I cannot believe I know how to navigate my inner world for the first time in my life, even when my outer world is going nothing like how I would design it to go. So it was this total embodied shift from life's not supposed to be this way to life is unfolding exactly as it should for my highest good. And all the pain last week and over the course of my whole life, honestly, it's always been portals to my most precious buried treasure that I would have completely missed if I'd seen the pain as punishment, you know, rather than pain with this divine purpose, pain that I can alchemize into power. So for you, whatever circumstance, if any, is coming up for you through my experience, I just want to ask you, like, what what situation might be inviting you to shift your perspective to see how this might actually be happening for you rather than against you? What if you are actually highly favored rather than hopelessly forgotten? Like, what if you're actually supernaturally supported instead of completely abandoned? And what if things are unfolding for your highest good rather than you being behind in life? What if this season or decade or even couple of decades of your life are a part of your deep metamorphosis? That damn butterfly. Like, think about it. If that butterfly drew conclusions about its future based on the period when it was stuck in the cocoon, dark and isolated and slimy and constricted, it would be so wrong, right? About its future. That gorgeous butterfly that's been a symbol of transformation for the entire world for hundreds of centuries, that creature that's beautiful and flying free and displaying its beauty and serving as this source of joy, like not one single butterfly has ever jumped from this crawling caterpillar to a soaring creature without going through its sticky metamorphosis. So if that's where you are, like me this week, my sticky metamorphosis, I just want to remind you how sacred of a space this can be. And even amidst constriction and darkness, just know that you can still choose to view yourself and your life through the lens of miracles. You have so much power that you can uncover and take out and use. And you will not see other people posting their sticky metamorphosis phase on social media. Just a reminder, right? Like they won't be posting those sticky moments, the fights, the darkness. So take your eyes off of them and just set your gaze inward and above to your own spirit, your own intuition, your God, and allow that to shift you this week from the inside out. I love you guys. And I can't wait to talk to you next week. Ah, I'm honored you found today's episode worth your listen and time to hang out with me today. You know, for some of us, this podcast is just the thing you need to support you towards your breakthrough. But for others, we know we need a deeper level of support and guidance. So if you're a highly ambitious woman who's ready to repair deep, unshakable connection in your marriage, I'd love to tell you about my client coaching program called Root to Rise. 
This is the life-changing transformational container that will teach you exactly how to launch your marriage to the next level by moving trauma out of your body and stepping back into your power. Even if you've already tried everything, even if you're caught on the fence of should I stay or should I go, and even if your husband's not on board today. So look for my link in the show notes to book a call with me and we'll just talk about what's working, what's not, where you want to go. And very easily, I'll be able to tell you if and how I can help you. And if not me, I can still point you in the direction of some resources that can. So either way, tons of clarity. We'll have some fun getting to know each other while we're at it. And that's it for today. Huge hugs, my friend. I'll chat with you next Friday.